Welcome to Word on the Street, a weekly podcast from Barclays UK, where our experts help ordinary investors make sense of the latest news and events impacting the world's financial markets. In this episode, Nikki Eggers, Head of Investments, discusses the latest developments in the Brexit saga with Olivia Gleeson, UK government relations expert, and Will Hobbs, Chief Investment Officer. Hello, welcome to another edition of Word on the Street. Now, firstly, avid listeners that that check in on a Friday morning, sorry that we weren't there. But as you might anticipate, we were holding out for the Sunday deadline, thinking that we might have something more concrete to comment on. It doesn't appear that we do have anything concrete. However, we thought it was important to bring uh, Olivia, our in-house expert, on on all things politics uh, back to us just to give us a bit of a sense of where are we right this moment? And of course, Will, to, to give us a sense of, of how the markets are reacting. So Olivia, let's, let's cut straight through to it. It seems that there's been, well, a bit of progress. I mean, certainly we're still talking, it seems. And there seems to have been a bit more discussion around the level playing field area. Can you just talk to us a little bit about that and, and explain and, and give us a bit of a view on how much progress do you think has actually happened? Of course. I mean, it's certainly been a really dramatic few days for Brexit negotiations. And it's interesting you pick up on the emerging speculation about potential progress on the issue of the level playing field. So I think if we briefly recap first the general picture with negotiations, we know that Prime Minister and the EU Commission President Ursula von der Leyen had set this past Sunday as a deadline for talks. And that followed a week of increasingly negative rhetoric emanating from negotiations. Indeed, on Friday, Boris Johnson said a no-deal outcome was very, very likely. And such pessimism was matched on the EU side. Now, of course, Sunday came and went with no breakthrough or breakdown on a deal. Instead, we learnt that a useful phone call between the two leaders had taken place and it was agreed that talks would continue. So we can reasonably question why keep talking. Now, the answer lies in creative policy fixes that are actively being explored to try and bridge the gap between the two sides' positions. And in particular, we come back to possible movement on the crucial issue of future divergence. Now, we know the UK's red line was blanket tariffs, but it's possible the EU may have moved slightly from the principle that both sides should align on all future standards towards a position of what we'd call managed divergence. So attention now turns to how that divergence could work. For example, could sectoral tariffs represent a satisfactory compromise? Now, this isn't game-changing movement in the talks, but minimal progress is still progress, and you're right to say the two sides are still talking. Now, I'd be cautious about concluding the prospects for a deal. The fundamentals haven't changed, but engagement in the details of the solution suggests a shift away from entrenched positions, and at least for now, there's enough hope to keep the prospect of a Brexit deal alive. Okay, and so time, though is running out, right? I don't, I don't know about you, but but Christmas feels like it's on the doorstep and and before we know it, we'll be in 2021. So in, in the absence of anything else, the UK will revert to WTO terms on, on the 1st of Jan. So we still need to find some form of political agreement and that needs to be put into, into text, um, approved by national parliaments. So, you know, working backwards from the 1st of Jan, What's the point of no return? You know, where's that, as we tend to call it in project speak, you know, go, no, go? Yeah, I mean, it's a million dollar question. You're right to highlight that time is indeed running out. We're now less than three weeks away from December 31st. And that is the only deadline seemingly set in stone for a deal to be agreed and then voted in. 
But, you know, I think it's fair to say that leaving time for ratification seems increasingly unimportant on the part of the two sides. And you'll note that no new deadline has been set for the uh, end of these continuing talks. You know, taking a scenario where negotiations resolve at the very last minute before the 31st, we could perhaps be looking at a brief extension to the current transition period to enable both parliaments to ratify any deal. But I think it's probably too early to start thinking about that yet. I mean, the bottom line is that both sides seem prepared to take shortcuts and use any loopholes available to ensure that any deal agreed, however late in the day, is still ratified. So political commentators, myself included, might do well to think about cancelling their Christmas leave as it looks like we could be on the edge of our seats watching the deal developments for a little while yet. So so no assured end in sight. And, And Will, just turning to you, I mean, I think in market land, probably the most volatile reflection has been in sterling in the currency. We've certainly seen that fluctuating. I mean, I assume that's Brexit related. Would you say so? Yes, I think that's right, Nikki. I mean, I wish they'd just let us uh, get on with the uh, mince pie mountain I have lying in my future. Um, <laughs> but I've already started. I'm not going to lie, actually. It's not stopped me. Being on the edge of my seat has not stopped me getting into the mince pie season. But yeah, I mean, I think the changing probabilities of a deal in amongst all the headlines seems to be an important driver there, certainly. It's so difficult, though, and Olivia was alluding to this a little bit. It's so difficult to separate negotiating posture from genuine red lines, you know, uh, and I think mm. the important point is that time pressure tends to be a really important force in negotiations. That's often why the thorniest issues are left till last. Just looking out more to the medium term, what actually is the difference between a deal or no deal, so to speak? What mm. what impact will that truly have on the UK economy? Can, can we know that? No. And I think that's the really important point is, again, you know, we want the usual disclaimer about forecasting being primarily for mugs, is the important one to make. Um, And I think, you know, however, you know, I mean, I think most seem to assume that the difference in trend economic growth, you know, the sort of average growth rate that the UK economy is capable of, the difference between a UK with a deal and a UK without is it's not enormous um, in all Mm. likelihood. You know, the fact that, you know, if there is a deal, it's likely pretty skinny now. That's the you know that that's that's the guiding principle there. But relative to you know the economy's kind of pre-referendum trend growth rate, let's say, you know the shape of an economic hit from a no deal exit or World Trade Organization or Australia deal, whatever you want to call it, you know that's likely to be more front-loaded. So there's likely to be more experience of the hit in the short term uh, because of the disruption. But I, I mean, I personally, I do think a lot of the UK's most serious economic challenges have little to do with being in or out of the EU. You know, the UK's productivity mm. problem relative to its major peers, um, that's surely got to be high on the the agenda uh, for policymakers. And I also, you know, one thing that we, a point we've made over many years, really, with regards to the UK is we kind of need to get back to being boring. And, and I mean by that is that, you know, if you think about attracting, you know, the endless battle to attract international capital, think about yourself as an international investor with, you know, billions to spend on a project that lasts 10, 20 years, you know, many years. What do you want most? What I want most is to be able to know that I'm going to be dealing with the roughly the same political regime, roughly the same institutions, mm. the same legal framework, that there's not just going to be some dude who's going to be able to come along and say, actually, those assets are all mine. That could be, you know, I mean, so all of those things, you know, the UK has provided pretty well for over the last several hundred years. We're instinctively a kind of grey and boring people. Um, and I think we probably need to get back to that. That's probably the most, uh, uh, the best path that uh, sort of, you know, some form of medium term, decent medium term path for the UK economy. That's at least part of it. 
Very good. Well, with that, I think what we'll do is we'll sign off for now. I think Olivia will, we're on standby, should anything meaningful happen that's worth reporting back to our listeners on, we'll obviously publish another podcast as soon as there is anything. Definitely. So thank you very much for joining us and do join us next time. Thank you. All investments can fall as well as rise in value and their past performance is not a reliable indicator of future performance. This podcast is not a personal investment recommendation.